Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we have a jam-packed Carnegie Mellon-centric show lined up for you. Um, Catherine Moore was my former professor at Carnegie Mellon and my academic advisor, as well as one of our amazing movement teachers. Um, she's such a special spirit and a really fantastic energy. Uh, and it was a great trip down memory lane getting to chat with her. This is another one of our college deep dive episodes where we try to give you a snackable audio tour to get a view into various great theater programs around the country. Today with Catherine, we got into the idea of being your individual best and what it is to share yourself. Uh, being in a room full of talent, talented people and what those challenges and opportunities can be. Uh, Catherine gives you a little PSA to fill out your damn financial aid forms. Um, we talk about Playground. It's a program at Carnegie Mellon that lets voices, lets artists find their voices um, that are maybe out of their regular routine um, and how that can lead to the multi-hyphenate artist life that we talk about a lot on the pod. Uh, we talk about connection to material and what it is to simply tell the story. And then we talk about the connection of sports and theater. And Megan points out that this theater podcast is becoming one giant sports metaphor. And for that, I apologize if you don't like sports, but I enjoy the metaphors myself. Um, but before we get to Catherine, we have a super special treat for you, which is my other partner and my fellow MTCA director, Leo Ash Evans, is going to come on and tell you a bit about another opportunity to get to know schools and Leo and I will play a newlywed game. Well, first off, a huge welcome to the pod to Leo Ash Evans. Um, we were trying to find the exact right moment for him. And our 10th episode, A College Deep Dive with Carnegie Mellon University, our alma mater, feels like a pretty great one. Um, he's my partner. He's a fellow MTCA director, my work husband, and a pretty remarkable guy. The one and only Leo Ash Evans. Leo, welcome to the pod, my friend. That's a great intro. I like number 10. That's a good number. First off, we are so excited to have you on. Um, the listeners have been clamoring for it, and we think it's only fair that we give them what they want. Um, many of them will know you and love you for being our fearless MTCA director. But for those who don't know you, can you give us a little quick backstory to tell the people a bit about who you are and how you came to be in this lucky position as work husband to America's favorite podcast host? Hell yeah. Um, I Well, I mean, it's a long journey. I, I started off doing career coaching for actors after um, my time at Carnegie Mellon. I'm a lot younger than you, Charlie. So, no, I'm a lot older than Charlie Murphy. I know. <laughs> but no, I... I... <laughs> 
that who's, may come up who's in the, older that'll come up in the game. no after graduating from carnegie mellon which i love my time <laughs> and i was you know working steadily and loved all my work i started to help out professional actors with career coaching and i had actors always come up to me saying leo you always consistently work what's your secret and i thought well, i don't know do i have a secret and i started to just kind of help actors on the side and it apparently really um supported their their fears and their conflicts of how to keep themselves motivated. So I did that for a couple of years. And then um, Ellen Lettrick, our founder, kind of recruited me to come and do a mock audition. I was I was kind of auditing a mock and I fell in love with high school students way more than professional actors to help because high school students are so motivated for their future where professional <laughs> actors tend to be so jaded all the time. No, not all of them. But it was just so motivating to me to get to work with teenagers who saw their whole futures ahead of them. And um, so I've always, you know, you know this better than anyone, Charlie, being my husband and um, partner, is that it's it's a balance for me. I'm always trying to you know, kind of juggle all the balls in the air of my performing career and my voiceover career. And then of course my MTCA director career. And, and I've always seen it that they, they help and support one another. I feel like I'm more successful in each of my areas as someone new in our lives recently told me, Leo, you're a (laughs) multi-passionate. I love, it's true that I have so many multi uh, passions in my life. And, um, it's it's sometimes it's hard to juggle all the balls in the air, but mostly it it really stimulates me, and I and I love it. Mm. Um, so aside from getting to hear your lovely voice on our pod, um, <laughs> and aside from getting to play our little newlywed game, which will be happening very soon, um, we also wanted to be able to let people know about an exciting new virtual event we've created this year, um, which we're calling our MTCA College Fair. So first off, like what is this event, and tell us a bit about maybe your hopes in creating it. Yes, I was so excited to learn the virtual landscape after this, you know, terrible treacherous year with the pandemic. I I certainly learned how virtual um platforms can really benefit the team and our students and I thought what better way out of the comfort of everybody's home to comfortably learn more about schools when, you know, you frequent websites and websites are fantastic and these schools put out a lot of information, but as you're absorbing it, it kind of all starts to feel the same. So the idea with this virtual fair was that in an hour with each school participating, which I have 15 schools participating three a day, um, and it's going to be the last week of July, it's going to be an awesome opportunity to hopefully connect with a lot of programs that are not always on everybody's school list because they tend to be newer programs. They're really gems of programs. Some of these schools, as you know, Charlie, we've had great success with in this past year doing walk-in auditions for our MTCA students. Mm -hmm. Some of these schools have always been on my radar now because I have my peers and friends teaching and heading up programs. Um, like my friend Josh Young, who's over at Oakland University now, it's unbelievable what he's doing and launching with that program. And I think what I know in my gut is that programs that haven't been around as long as, say, our alma mater, where, what did we celebrate, our centennial year, I think, 12 years ago or something, Mm -hmm. these programs that haven't been around as long are hungry for their future. They're, they're really hungry to launch their students into where show business is today in 2021. With all due respect, of course, to our mm. wonderful alma mater, they have a great pulse of where show business is right now. And I think that's what's exciting about a lot of these programs where students could judge it going, I don't know if I've heard of that school as much. But actually, when you mm-hmm. um, when you actually research it and you see the electives or the minors or the double majors, you realize, gosh, there's a 
there's a lot of substance in this program. So I'm really excited that with these 15 schools that are going to do these these hour webinars with our students, it'll be a Q&A um, with each of them, and they're going to get to meet faculty members and or Office of Admissions from the schools. And as I understand it, anybody can do this event, even if they're not an MTCA student. Um, do they have to tell you that they heard about it on the pod? That's the real question. I, I would like that idea. Yes, please tell us if you heard about it on the pod. And you are 100% correct that we want to open this up to all hungry high school students pursuing their college dream. And um, it's going to be awesome because you can really learn more about not only the schools, but then you'll also have a little sneak peek into the MTCA world too. I love it. And we will put that all that info in the show notes and dr- a direct link to go pay the $50. How much? $50 That's to so get cheap. a whole week of schools? That's pretty exciting. Um, and I think kind of dovetails so beautifully with w- what we're doing in the pod to kind of explore the landscape of the process. But you're, we're getting a school every two weeks on the pod. You're getting 15 schools in one week. So that's pretty exciting. Um, the other event we wanted to let people know about, which is not new, we've been doing this for many years, is our summer faculty masterclass series, um, which we're doing this year both in person in New York City and in virtual form. I'd love it if you'd tell us a little bit about the faculty masterclasses. Oh, yeah. This is, I think, our favorite every year because... This is a chance where our MTCA students get to select doing a song or a monologue, uh, dance classes. It's such an amazing um, opportunity to expose themselves to great teachers and great programs. Um, and I think my favorite thing is when I talk to all of these teachers in in having them work with our students, I target the fact that it's classes, not auditions. That's the beauty mm-hmm. of it, is that even though they are meeting and working with these fantastic teachers, many of which they'll get to audition for later in the year, the the bigger part of this is the expansion of the artistic work within the songs and monologues that they've been working on. So, um, you know, we're going to have a great lineup. We, we've got Carnegie Mellon, NYU, Pace, Ithaca, USC, Penn State, Michigan, CCM, Syracuse. These schools are just so universally loved by all of our students throughout the year. Yes. You know me, Charlie. I don't like to play any favorites to schools. I really do believe that it's all about each individual student finding their unique fit. Mm-hmm. However, those schools that I just listed have have put out unbelievable talent every year I see their showcases. And certainly MTCA students year after year have attended those programs to great success. So mm-hmm. I certainly always love talking to our students and hearing from them, you know, personally how much they love their programs and that's why those schools are represented because i know how how um significant they are in in getting our students to grow um now these you would have to be an mtca student to participate in um these classes what exactly does that mean in terms of a commitment to mtca so what am i committing to if i'm saying i want to do one of these classes what do i have to do to join mtca yeah super simple you would do an initial consultation with me uh it's an hour of of welcoming you to the team certainly there isn't a huge commitment to continue with us so if you really were just trying to meet me and do an initial consultation so then you could participate the only other requirement is uh working 2 hours of artistic time um, on a song or monologue that you're planning on presenting or uh, completing a dance assessment for the dance classes. So it's pretty basic that if you really just want to expose yourself to the teachers and say la vie, well, fine. I mean, you'll hurt my feelings a little bit, but no, I, I really, um, it's, I totally understand that there's lots of, uh, you know, people have a lot of local teachers that they work with, high school teachers. That's all great. I want you to keep doing that. I will say, if, if, I, if I do say so myself, all of our years of experience and our superlative results aren't accidental. It's because we have a really specific structure to how 
to help assist students getting into college. It's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a pattern that's consistent. And that's why I'm, I'm so proud of all the work we do. Um, all right. Well, the America can't wait any longer for us to get to our newly wed game. Um, I will warn you <laughs> that Elizabeth was an embarrassing 0 for 5 Oy. in this newlywed game oh as my God. life partner. And she was like 0 for 9 when I gave her bonus questions too. So it was really rough. Are you still married? Can you believe it? This is the I... ultimate test of whether you and I are more compatible than me and Elizabeth. We're going to find out. <laughs> um, my romantic life is hanging in the balance. Um, are you ready for question one? I'm ready. Okay. You've often encountered Charlie coming to or from meetings, sweaty and in softball or basketball gear. You may remember that Charlie played on the reigning championship team in the Broadway show League, leading them to victory two summers ago over the Book of Mormon. What position on the softball field does Charlie most often play? This is absolutely ridiculous. Why would you ask me a question about the position? I thought for sure I was going to get to say you were sweaty because you were bike riding. I mean, I do know. I'll give you a hint. I am left-handed for what it's worth. I'm left-handed, as we may know. Left, were you, you were playing left field? Were you left outfield? Oh, wouldn't that be true? First base. First base is the right answer. Oh, left-handed people play first base. What I don't like about this is this, this might make me start to feel bad about my, my relationship. Like I should know my (laughs) husband better. Consider this pre-Cana. Exactly. Okay. Question two. Charlie was clearly born to do musical theater, though the world has not gotten to see his empty glory as much as he deserves. However, at Carnegie Mellon, Charlie did one full stage musical, which still exists somewhere on the depths of YouTube. What musical at Carnegie Mellon did Charlie do? Hint, starring fellow MTCA coach John Michael Reese and Kyle Beltran. God damn it. (laughs) I mean, again, you know, uh, what I love about these questions is like, I'm upset I don't know the answer to this. They're very, very hard. You did a musical at Carnegie Mellon. Did you do? Did you do um, a little night music? Oh, such a good guess. The correct answer is Golden Boy, the musical Golden Boy, which almost never no one has heard of. And so I'm very sorry. You have very little chance to get that right. My okay, God. Okay, question three. This one you have a chance at, Leo. You really have a chance at this one. It's not impossible. Okay, ready? For six years, Charlie lived in Midtown with his BFF and fellow MTCA coach, Alejandro Rodriguez. We spent many hours in meetings at this very apartment. Without looking at your phone or computer, what is the exact address of Charlie and Ale's old apartment? Uh, first of all, the answer begins with, it's old. So why the hell would Leo remember this? It, you dumped that place, so I dumped it with you. <laughs> all right. 47th Street. Mm-mm. Ooh, 49th Street? 311 West 54th Street. And I would have given you credit unless you also got Apartment 2 or Apartment 1R. Both are acceptable on the postal code. Oh, Charlie, I would if you would have said what level. Wait a minute, that's not fair. I would have known. It was I wouldn't have had R, but I knew it was on the first level. I do remember that. First floor. All right, so I get a half a point. We'll give him half a point. He's negative five to half a point so far. Okay. Fun fact. You and Charlie are both from the same high school, the same college, spaced a few years apart. The debate rages on over who is older than whom. Exactly. (laughs) While in high school, what award slash superlative did Charlie win from his fellow North Allegheny classmates? So that's most likely two, those kind of awards. Since I wasn't at high school with you, that's why this question's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> but um, okay, I guess Charlie. What award could Charlie? I mean, most likely to make it big in the Big Apple. Oh, not correct. Most likely to win an Oscar. This one was actually possibly gettable. My classmates were very wrong. I will not be winning an Oscar, but most likely to win an Oscar. Why do we get the feeling like we're all set up here so Charlie looks good to win the <laughs> newlywed game? I don't feel like we're set up to win this newlywed game. Well, considering that Charlie makes the questions, he is most definitely set up to win. The game is rigged. But Megan, you're the assistant. You could be weighing in on this ridiculousness. That's true. You could be texting the correct answers to Leo, but you're choosing not to, and I appreciate um, your honesty, Megan. In all honesty, I did think about it, but Charlie did not write down the answers. <laughs> I did not write the answers in just so that she couldn't do that. Can you believe that? Well, I don't. Okay. I wasn't. I wasn't encouraging Megan to cheat. I was just saying Megan could weigh in and go, Charlie, ease up a little, would you? Like the it, like the question just... could have been, who, who was my roommate? when I was in my first apartment. You know, that could have been a nicer question. I made Elizabeth do what's the number I'm thinking on between 1 and 13 million, though. So in fairness, it's at least even in, on the, the game. Okay, 0 for 4. Megan maybe gives you half a point. Our last chance here. And this is a gettable question. You can do this. I believe in you, Leo. Okay. Focus. We've got this. Without looking at your phone slash computer, what is Charlie's phone number? Charlie, nobody knows anybody's phone number. I don't even know my parents' phone number. I don't know my sister's number. So if you think I'm going to know your number. First three, first three digits. If, if it's true love, I think you'll guess it. I'm going to hope that it's 212-917 or 347. <laughs> it's 724. Come on. It's not. It's still Wexford. It's still, <laughs> oh my God, you still got 724. <laughs> You still going down to the 724 zip codes. Well, I think what we've learned today is that nobody is truly compatible with Charlie. This doom oh to do marriages uh, from the start. But Leo, thank you for the good humor and thank you for playing our newlywed game. I really appreciate it. I'm going to suggest to Elizabeth that she and I get married so we can talk about the ridiculousness <laughs> of our ex-husbands. <laughs> or we each have an ex-husband being you. Uh this was so fun. Um, thank you for doing this. And now let's get to our interview with Catherine Moore. Well, it is an honor for me to bring on Catherine Moore, uh, my former professor. Catherine has a BFA from Wright State University, an MFA in Dramatic Performance from CCM. Uh, as an actor, she's performed in plays and musicals across the United States. Catherine is a professor of movement and physical methods of acting training, and she's worked on movement and fight choreography for over 80 productions. Uh, Catherine has also taught nationally and internationally around the world and has been commissioned by numerous symphony orchestras to create narrations for orchestral concerts. She's been on faculty at Carnegie Mellon since 2000, has been co-coordinator of the school's playground program since 2003. We'll talk a bit about playground today. And she's now the option coordinator for the acting slash musical theater option. A little bit about Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon is located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my hometown. Uh, they have small class sizes of about 12 acting and 12 musical theater majors each year. They offer a BFA in acting or musical theater, as well as BFAs in design, directing, dramaturgy, stage management, etc. Catherine, how are you doing today? Charlie, um, I'm doing really well. It's so nice to be able to talk to you. Now, Catherine has confessed to us that this is her first ever podcast. So audience, you have to be gentle on her. Okay, <laughs> be, be kind to her. True. This is, we're seeing a virgin voyage here. 
Thanks for that, Charlie. Yes. I have students who have done podcasts and we have plenty of alumni who have done podcasts, but this is my first one. For so. sure, for sure. It's yeah, a yeah. new art form. Um, well, why don't we start with, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background, especially maybe how you found yourself to be in your current position at Carnegie Mellon. So if this is like the episode is you know, going to be on the college edition, what did we miss in the previous episode? Hmm. Um, so... Obviously, I've been, as you mentioned, been at the school since the fall of 2000. Um, and during that time, I've been able to teach both musical theater majors and the acting majors throughout the entire time I've been there and direct some studio musicals and work on lots of shows. And so I've gotten to know a lot of students. And also with Playground, I've been able to get to know a lot of the students across all of the different options that we have at the school. Um, and about, th oh, is it three years ago now? Our, uh, the option coordinator decided to step down and um, they offered it to me. And then I had, uh, had to have a think about that. You know, I think it has to do with having been at the school long enough to understand sort of historically things about the programs, but also a desire to be an agent for change. Right. And knowing that we're going into a new century, how does one navigate that? And how do you help everybody else navigate that? Uh, it took me a while to say yes. The first person I called was Ann Bogart. She listened to me rattle on for about 20 minutes about, they want me to do this. And, da, 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 da. and then she finally just listened very patiently. And then afterwards, she said, um, I, I think the question is, do you want to lead? Mm. And I, there was a pause where I just didn't say anything. And I went, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll go think about that. Mm. <laughs> That's how it happened. It's so beautifully said. And I, I can just say from the outside, it feels like you are really a perfect bridge of someone who has such institutional knowledge, but also has new ideas that you want to bring to the program too. And that, and that you're willing to kind of be this bridge toward what is the future of Carnegie Mellon from what the past was. So it's not a, a total changing of the page, but it is a going, how do we step into this new century? Right. Not even that new of a century anymore, but but with some knowledge of of what came before. Why don't we talk a little bit about what it means to be a Carnegie Mellon student? So this is a difficult question, um, but if you had to put it in a couple words, what do you think it means to be a CMU drama student? Oh, when I saw this question, I had to, I, I, I thought, well, I have never been a Carnegie Mellon student, so there are aspects of being <laughs> a student that you would know better than I. Um, okay, I'll take this one. Then. Great. I think that having a passion for your craft, being rigorous in your investigation of the work and open to possibilities um, and open to learning. It's a very, um, it's a challenging place to be, I think. But at the same time, it's also, um, I'd like to think it's a nurturing place. Um, what about if we look at the kind of educationally, maybe from a, specifically the drama school perspective, if you're spending four years at school at Carnegie Mellon, how do you think you're going to come out change? So you show up freshman year, you had what it took, and we'll talk a bit about the audition mm -hmm. um, later in the episode. But what what does a Carnegie Mellon student learn over those four years in general? I think that you end up, hopefully, leaving being a better version of you. Hmm. It's not a cookie cutter kind of experience that we strive to challenge each person to be their individual best. We don't want them to be like anybody else. We want them to be who they are and that best version of them. They will amass skills along the way. They will... Um, grow artistically. They will be challenged in terms of how they see the world and their place in the world as artists, mm -hmm. um, which we can talk about later too. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think that an awareness of one's place in the world, in the country as a citizen artist, I think that mm -hmm. develops. 
I think that, um, yeah, I mean, there's growth artistically, certainly, because you're, you're gaining skills, but it's also about becoming a better human being and walking out maybe more enriched and able to share who you are as an individual. I love that. Um, why might a student not choose your school? So let's say, you know, they've gotten into all these great schools. You've offered them admission at Carnegie Mellon. Why do you find a student might say, it's actually not right for me? Uh, well, there can be a number of reasons, Charlie. I think sometimes it's money. I mean, let's be blunt. It's an expensive school. That can be a challenge, which is really why it's important when students are applying to schools that they fill out all their financial aid forms, uh-huh. right? Because somebody may not, and then they get an offer from someplace and they're like, oh, I didn't fill everything out. So I'm just doing a little plug there for that. But PSA um, from Catherine, fill out your forms. Uh, fill out your forms. I'm going to say that a lot. And the other reason is that some people may discover, or what I notice is that as students are going through the audition process, they start to notice things about what they're attracted to. Mm-hmm. So maybe they thought conservatory was right for them, but then they decide, no, you know, I think I'd like to have a, a broader range of, of study. I want, might want to be able to double major in something, or I might want a, a liberal arts approach with an acting program inside it, and then maybe I'll go to grad school. Mm-hmm. So you get to know, and you know, we we ha- even have students who say, "Oh, I think I was, I was expecting to audition as an as a musical theater major, and that's what was my only focus. But I've been going through this process now for the last eight months, and I suddenly realized that acting is the mm-hmm. thing that's really calling me. So uh, if I don't get into a musical theater program somewhere, I'm okay with being in an acting program someplace. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to what's the right fit for you? What do you want out of your education, right? And those are all valid uh, paths. There's not one path. Mm. It's so well said. And, you know, I can just echo, we also heard it on our first episode, Telly was talking about CMU and how rigorous it is. And you can kind of hear that word rigorous, (laughs) but until you see it, it's like, oh, it is intense. I mean, it is like going to Hogwarts for acting. I mean, it's just the amount of study that you do of specifically this craft, you know, coming from high school where you might not get that level of intense study. It can be a shock. It can be a little shock to the system to realize what what your day entails of 8 a.m. yoga and 9 a.m. acting and then voice class. And then it's just again and again and again, all drama. Um, It is. It is. Um, And it can be intense. And the other thing is that you are in classrooms with people who are as talented as you are. And uh-huh. for some students, that's a, that is something that's new, not new, but different, right? Suddenly everybody in the room is working at a really high level and that can be helpful because it helps to um, encourage you to get better at what you do. It can also have its challenges. You know, sometimes it can be a little intimidating. Sometimes it can, you know, if you don't bring your A game in, you, you can't beat yourself up for it because we're just human. I think one of the things we're noticing, Charlie, is that um, maybe compared to when y'all were in school is, you know, science is teaching us a lot about learning and what what needs we have and making sure that students have time to to rest, Mm. making sure that students have time to sleep, to do their homework, to have a social life. All of those things that go into developing as a young person, as a young artist, those have to be there. And I think that you still want to, it's that balancing act, isn't it, of wanting to keep the rigor, but also taking what we know now about how people learn and what people need um, especially in your teens, in late teens and early twenties and mm-hmm. taking that science and putting it together so that we're getting the optimal work out of people and not, you know, destroying their, <laughs> their souls in the process. 
that sounds so unfair. If I didn't get to sleep for four years, they shouldn't get to sleep for four years either. They have to work as hard as we worked. I know, but Mm. that would take me into an entire conversation about (laughs) the patriarchy and capitalism and that's we'll a, get to that later. We have some questions that's specifically a different conversation. about that. Yeah. And a whole different podcast. Right. That's a whole different topic. Um, I'd love to hear about outside of the theater program. So I know certainly uh, people spend a lot of the time in the School of Drama if they go to Carnegie Mellon. But mm-hmm. outside of the theater program, what do you feel like Carnegie Mellon affords a prospective student? Well, we are a top research university. So students who desire to take electives or to minor are going to have top flight faculty. Mm-hmm. We recently had a musical theater major who minored in business because he knows he wants to produce someday. He was able to take advantage of our business school, the Tepper Business School. And you're, they're going to find a community. That's really important. You know, we have a program that goes back over 100 years. So we are on the shoulder of a lot of people that came before us. Um, and, and we can't rest on that, um, but we can build off of that. So we have great connections with our alumni and Students can expect to make friends that they will have for a very long time, friends and or collaborators, um, that when you leave, you will have had a shared experience. You know, people go on and stay friends for a really long time, sometimes entire lifetimes. Um, uh, Let's get into playground a little bit. I know we hit it at the top, but um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your inception for wanting to to start playground and then also sort of how it's grown over now, almost 20 years. Uh, Yes, this will be our 19th playground in the fall. Playground is a festival of independent student work, and it began uh, because students were creating their own work outside of classes. And we had a head of the school at that time, a woman named Elizabeth Bradley. And Liz came to a faculty meeting one day and she said, what would happen if we just stopped classes for a week and just let everybody do what they wanted to do? I mean, there were some parameters, obviously, but what would they do? And that's essentially how it started. And I jumped on the bandwagon for that and said, I want to work on this. Over the years, I think it has become one of the most treasured weeks we have. Students submit proposals to do their own work, um, and they can pursue work or projects that are outside of their daily uh, course curriculum. An actor may want to direct, or an actor may write, or a director may want to act, or a, a, a designer may want to, they might want to to write or direct. Um, so you're given opportunities um, to do that, to work in areas that you're not accustomed to, that you're interested in. And also it's an opportunity to create pieces that allow you to have a voice and speak to certain experiences. So it's been a really important avenue for the students to find their voices as artists outside of the regular classes, I think. And and we've had students who've gone on to create companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pigpen Theater Company is one, but we've also had students who created one-person shows. We had uh, John Michael Reese just did his uh, cabaret. Heyo, MTCA coach John Michael Reese. Yes, and he just did it again, <laughs> and it started in Playground. So, so cool. he, had a, he has a cabaret that he does, uh, me and Judy, it's about Judy Garland, together again. So, uh, you know, all sorts of things it's, come from it's that. It's so cool because it, it's not only as, a, you know, something like Pigpen, which has been such a phenomenally successful company, is so exciting. You know, they're opening, there's a new pier in New yes. York where they're like one of the, it's so cool to be like, those guys like started in school when I was there. Amazing. But it, I also think there's a, a kind of hidden benefit of having had it there for 20 years 
you know, so many Carnegie Mellon actors, I think, are proponents of this kind of multi-hyphenate mm-hmm. artist life, which I think, you know, it gets infused in you, even if you're not, if you don't write the next great American play in Playground, just that idea of going, let me try, let me experiment. And that that is encouraged that I'm not only an actor in this one box, I think is like such a healthy thing for a young artist. So I think it gets a lot of credit, even beyond just the specific works that it produces. Right. I mean, I, I've said along the way, you know, don't wait for somebody behind a table to give you permission to do your work, to do your art that it's really important that you have the skills and the confidence to be able and create your own work and not wait for somebody else. Um, And that's part of Carnegie Mellon has an entrepreneurial spirit, right? We want to create the leaders Mm -hmm. of the future, but in order to lead, you have to be vulnerable. You have to take risks to be able to feel emotionally exposed and deal with uncertainty, right? That's, that's That's vulnerability and dealing with uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And that happens in playground because you're doing things you haven't done before. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the people that are watching it are incredibly supportive because there's no grade. There's no, there's no fail. There's, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want and it, it, whatever it turns out to be is what it is. And you've learned something by uh, working so quickly and collaborating with people across years and in other dis- other areas of the school. So you also get to meet people and work with people in a different way that you wouldn't normally get to do. Mm, that's so cool. Um, I'd love to also talk just a bit about, you know, Carnegie has maybe not a unique relationship between actors and MTs, but just a little bit about that relationship of an acting major and a musical theater major within the School of Drama and how they interact. So one thing that is perhaps unique to our program is that the actors and musical theater majors take many of the core classes together. So they're together for Mm -hmm. acting, they're together in their movement courses, they're together in voice for the stage and speech. Later on, they're together in acting for the camera, auditioning on film, auditioning for the stage, um, and in showcase. Um, That we expect the same strengths right? In both disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, or that we're, I should say, we're looking for the same strengths in both both disciplines. And a student may audition as a musical theater major when they audition. And if for some reason they don't, they don't get past the initial musical theater pre-screen, they can decide if they would, they'll automatically be seen in the pre-screen for an act to be an actor. And we've had a number mm-hmm. of students who, you know, for whatever reason, they are in the acting program. They're incredibly talented. Um, but you know, when you only have 12 spots and you see over, you know, we saw over 750 auditions, which is a lot, I think. The musical theater students are essentially doing a double major. So they're in addition to all of the acting training that they get, they're also doing their own musical theater training. So musical theater skills and uh, lit and rep and acting a song mm-hmm. and vocal coachings and weekly voice lessons and all of their dance classes. So, um, it's a, it's a quite a load, but they, they come out with, you know, m- some of our most successful actors were musical theater majors. It's totally cool. And, and a number of CMU actors end up then doing lots of musicals. Yes, end they up in, do. You know, the, the Andrew Cobras of the world or all these people you go, Oh my gosh, now you do more musicals than than plays yes. or whatever, you know, just because you have that skill set. It's like, nobody's going to go, what is your degree in again? I'm sorry. I know you can sing well, but we can't have you in this show unless you have an MT. Exactly. Degree. And, and, and actors have the option. We, we have, um, an optional singing for actors course. That's a two year long course that they can take. 
Um, we have actor dance. So they're also getting dance. Um, but they can audition to be in the musical theater dance if they dance well. Um, they can also take private lessons. You know, they can- Shout uh, out to Thomas Douglas, gave me private lessons. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yes, Andrew Kober, someone like Andrew Kober, who came in with a glorious voice. Uh, Josh Gad was not a musical theater major. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. He's done okay. He's done okay in the musical theater world specifically. Um, let's take a short break. And on the backside of the break, we're going to talk about the daunting audition for Carnegie Mellon University. Sounds good. Back in a flash. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back with Catherine, and we're here to talk a bit about the Carnegie Mellon audition. So, in short, Catherine, what do you think makes a great audition for Carnegie Mellon? Connection to the material and the ability to work simply to tell the story of whatever it is you're doing, whether it's the song or the monologue. Um, It's not about performing and being presentational. It's about really connecting to what it is you're saying. I've been watching the Olympics lately, and I love watching the Olympics. I love watching elite um, sports because, you know, you get marks for technical ability, but you also get artistic marks. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like that in school, isn't it? And you're de- developing your craft, but there's also the artistic side that means you have to work from who you are and what your passions are, and um, and you make it look easy. So um, I'm often drawn to watching things like gymnastics and diving and all of that mm. sort of stuff, because it's sort of the same thing, isn't it? You're, they're, they're both components. I make that analogy all the time with basketball because I love watching basketball and like my favorite athletes, not only have incredible amounts of technical skill, you have to have, you know, to shoot a ball or to dunk a ball, you know, but then the favorite ones have creativity and joy and the way they play, they just pop out of the screen. You go, oh, they're not just doing the thing that everyone else is doing. They're, they are doing that too, but they're making it look like they're breathing. They're making it look easy yes. and like they're smiling little kids. And they, understand the, they, and they understand the value of teamwork and what it means to be on the team. Mm-hmm. So true. Um, is there anything you definitely do not want to see in a student's audition? Anything they do that you go, oh, that's such, such a turnoff? Hmm. That's a tricky question. We don't want to see them doing material that is so far removed from them that it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to pick a character that's 45, you have a you better have a really good reason. <laughs> you know, I, I think finding material that's closer in age, finding material that is accessible is really important, um, and not 
and not having something just because somebody told you to do it. You know, it's about, you need to have the connection as, as the person auditioning. If I ask somebody, why did, why did you pick that monologue? And they say, well, because my teacher gave it to me. That's not going to be a good enough reason. Mm-hmm. Is How would these answers change at all? I know CMU has added the pre-screen only pretty recently, but as you think about pre-screen auditions, are there any tips or special advice for those dreaded pre-screens? Make sure we can hear you. Make sure you can be seen, mm-hmm. right? Practice before you do it. You have a very short amount of time for us to get to know who you are. And part of the pre-screen is us looking at someone's work and saying, is this someone we want to get to know better? Right? There's, a, there's a certain obvious level of talent that we're looking for, right? whether it's in your singing or in your acting. Uh, but I think we are also looking in the moment at, of those pre-screens of, is this somebody that's picking interesting material or are they someone we would like to have a conversation with? And that's part of what comes out of uh, picking material that you have a connection to. Um, this leads me perfectly to my favorite question. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of the decision, if you had to kind of estimate, how much of the decision to either pass a pre-screen or maybe to actually accept a student into the school is based on that like skill displayed or a talent, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that, in the work, whether singing, acting, dancing, versus those intangibles, like you talked about, do they seem like they'd be a good teammate? Do they seem like they're an interesting person? You know, it's like those sort of more intangible stuff that may come in the interview and adjustment portion of the audition. How much is more that versus how much is really the skill displayed in the material? I would say that if you were auditioning for musical theater, skill is, the skill um, is important, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You have to be able to stay on pitch. There are certain musical, there are certain things in in terms of musicality um, and the quality of the sound and the, the instrument that you're showing us that may determine right away whether or not you move on from a pre-screen. I think it's as we move from pre-screen into the auditions that then it becomes more and more about interpretation, but that's always going to catch our eye. Are you, are there acting skills sort of already in there or are you just singing to sing loud or showing us your range? If you're showing us stuff rather than inhabiting it, not as interesting. Um, but you, you might get past the pre-screen, but that may not keep you through the entire process. And then how much for you guys, how much um, is based on academics? So if you really want a student artistically, how much then is it factored in the grades, SATs, the sort of academic elements of the uh, application? That is changing. As we know, in the last year or so, um, because of the pandemic, SATs and ACTs, we weren't looking at, we weren't, you know, a student could submit Mm -hmm. them if they wanted to, but we were uh, not using them as the, as a final factor right? It gave us information. And I, I hope that that continues actually, you know, some people just don't test well. Um, that doesn't mean you don't have a good mind. So, um, that's part of a system that was created that maybe needs to be rethought, um, relooked at, um, academics do come into play at a certain point. If someone has, um, you know, if someone does, Carnegie Mellon is a difficult school. Um, it's it's a challenging school intellectually as well as you know artistically. Um, and we want to make sure that we're we're inviting people in um, who can who will succeed in the program mm-hmm. um, on both levels. Um, and it doesn't mean that there aren't students who may need some extra help. We have lots of resources for student success for supporting students. Um, 
who come to us with lots of different, um, with a range of, of, of needs. Um, but we, the, the university will look at grades at the end of the day. Um, and sometimes it becomes a matter of us saying, yes, but uh, admissions, we really, really want this person. And so we will fight for somebody and then make sure that there are support systems in place if there's somebody that we really want. So, And would it be fair to say that when you're applying for the School of Drama, the academic standards of, let's say, the computer science department are not going to be what you have to meet to necessarily get into the School of Drama? Yes, I would say that's correct. Um, we are looking at things like uh, uh, when we look at high school grades, you know, it might come to the point of we're looking mm -hmm. at somebody's grades and we're like, oh, well, they got a D in, in something in their freshman year of high school and that threw their GPA off. Okay. So, you mm -hmm. know, you have to investigate each person as an individual and their academic journey when you're making these decisions. It's not a blanket, you know, sort of rule for everybody. Totally. Um, what if you had to give one piece of advice for a prospective student who's about to audition, let's say they have their audition next week for Carnegie Mellon, they're listening to this episode, they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. What would that advice be as you, they walk into that audition room? Be yourself and have a good time that we want you to do well. Yeah. We want you to have a good time in the, in the room with us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, be your true, be yourself. That's really the most important thing. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to imagine what you think we're looking for. Then you can't be your authentic self. So, um, and have a, and trying to have a good time. I know it's nerve wracking. It's so nerve wracking. I'm sure uh, to be either filming a pre-screen or to be walking into an audition room, and it can feel very scary. And um, and we know that. And so we do our best to try and make it a a fun experience. Um, and it's your chance to perform and to do what it is you love for somebody. So, and if I can take a second and compliment my own school, which is going to feel a little bit masturbatory, um, the audition that you guys do, we hear it year after year after year, even for students who didn't necessarily get into the school. Um, but how positive that experience was that launched them into their other auditions every year. I feel so grateful and proud to be a CMU drama student when I hear like, I had the most amazing audition. This happened. They asked me to do this and then this, and then, oh my God. And then, you know, the rest of their weekend was such a better audition experience because Carnegie Mellon, such an intimidating school in their mind was this positive audition experience. And then maybe they got a call back. Maybe they didn't. Maybe who knows about that, but, but you know that it launched their audition year. So. It is part of, um, thank you, Charlie. It is actually part of what we talk about, um, as we've changed who's going out on the audition tour. You know, we talk about mm -hmm. that a lot and it's very important to us. Um, so it will, it will not go away. We don't get, you don't get points for trying to be intimidating. You, you know, it's like, that, like, <laughs> it, no, it's, the business is hard enough. Why would you, why would you want to do that to some, somebody who is walking into a room and being it's vulnerable, so right? You want to support so them. True. Yes. Um, okay. So in our last segment here, I just want to look ahead at a little bit of the challenges of 2021 and beyond um, and talk maybe in two specific areas, both about kind of the demands for racial equity that have come up uh, and really surfaced this past year. Um, and then also the demands and challenges of a virtual world. We're talking a bit about them today as we were setting up um, the podcast. But so whichever order you want to go in, I just would love to hear about kind of where have you come from and where you're going with kind of both aspects of potentially a new business. I think that we have to, as we examine institutional racism, um, systemic racism, we have to examine what it means to 
to engage in conservatory training in the 21st century. And what does that look like? Because the old model was based on colonialism and mm-hmm. uh, and really does not speak to where we're at now. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to listen and be willing to change and grow um, so that we can make everyone feel that they are included and that we are centering the stories. We have to continue interrogating, right? Whose stories are we investigating? Whose stories are we centering? Mm-hmm. Um, why? Um, what material are we using? What's the content in the class? It's not enough to quote unquote decolonize your syllabus if you don't put it into practice in your room, mm-hmm. right? So what are we teaching? How are we teaching? Are we making changes that speak to the issues at hand? Are we supporting students when they want to go to a rally or a protest? And they're like, I'm going to be, mm-hmm. I'm going to be 10 minutes late to class because I'm at a protest. We're like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, right? If you're going to be an artist citizen, you have to engage with the world. So we've seen those changes. We have um, a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee that we've had for a number of years. After uh, the events of last summer um, and the murder of George Floyd and everything that came with that, um, we now have an anti-racist theater course that all incoming students, both undergraduate and graduate, are uh, required to take. Uh, we all took it this past year, uh, faculty, staff, and students, everyone in the mm-hmm. building. Um, how do you develop, you know, the question was, how do you develop an anti-racist theater ethos? And we have a new uh, assistant dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the College of Fine Arts. And we also now at CMU have a vice provost for diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, Dr. Wanda mm-hmm. Heading grant uh, so the university as a whole has been making strides and, um, you know, on our website, we have a statement and students can go to our website and, and look up the statement mm-hmm. and, and, and see what we're talking about. But I think, um, we have to, we have to continue to look at what we're offering, how we're offering it, um, and, uh, whose stories are being told. That's beautifully said. And I think it is a really unique challenge that a lot of schools are going through. It's like, how do you not throw the Shakespeare out with the bathwater, you know, in terms of going as you're making changes, as you're, you know, if, if you're talking about things that you're foundationally built upon, you know, how, do, how does it not all crumble completely to the ground while you're still able to recenter and adjust? And it's a difficult challenge. But it's doable. You just have to put the work in, you know, yep. it's not impossible. Um, what about the specific challenges of a virtual world? Um, I know this year you had to make all these adjustments for COVID. Um, I'd love to kind of hear about, especially for our students who might be looking this year out at auditioning and, and beyond, is any of that virtual um, audition going to continue? How might it continue? Um, are there any ways that the kind of the lessons of this year are going to continue forward um, with you guys? Sure. Uh, I, I think, and this builds off of the last thing we were talking about is that we discovered that being able to do pre-screens and doing all of, we did all of the auditions on Zoom, right? Um, mm-hmm. Through Get Accepted, um, built a platform for us to be able to have auditions. Um, one of the things we discovered is that in some ways it it makes the audition more equitable because students mm-hmm. who may not be able to travel and book a hotel and go to Chicago or New York or LA, we're still able to audition. We had students auditioning from all over the world this year, 
is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, people who might not ha- normally have access or, you know, it, and, um, and I think that we have to continue considering how that might be used going forward. So there may be mm-hmm. for, um, for the next year or two, we have a wonderful um, admissions uh, director, uh, uh, Micah Harrison Lucemore, and she's constantly thinking about this and, and developing uh, what we do uh, in terms of our audition process. And so, you know, maybe we are going to be have to look at some sort of hybrid where we do go on the road for part of the time, and mm-hmm. but we also have the opportunity for students who need to to be able to audition uh, virtually. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and then, you know, and then as we think down the road, a couple of years, maybe being able to do auditions virtually and then bringing back students to campus or bringing students to campus, mm-hmm. I should say, and, and doing some sort of final callback with everyone over a weekend, you know? So literally we were forced because of the pandemic to rethink how we do things. And there were a lot of gifts that actually came out of it because it changes how we see what we do and how we might move forward. It's so true. We've noticed that even since launching this podcast, you know, MTC has always had international students. We've had maybe a handful of international students every year. And already in just the first couple of episodes of this podcast, so many international downloads around the world, you know, just the technology in the digital age really increases access to areas of the globe that you go, how else would I have met this person? They weren't going to come to New York City to come meet with us. You know, it's a it's a really beautiful and kind of daunting thing to go. It's now out there for the whole globe. Um, any final thoughts, anything we missed? I, I, we have a crib sheet there. Anything that we um, didn't hit that you wanted to chat about? We have study abroad. Didn't talk about that. Yes. That's something we didn't oh, talk about. Oh, there we go. We could that, talk about that's that. That's also okay. unique to our program. Yeah. Um, and that is students in the fall of their senior year have the opportunity to study abroad. And a lot of uh, we a lot of students go to, we have students in Russia and England and Wales, Scotland, all over the world, uh, Australia, uh, lots of places. Mm-hmm. So that's something that people can look up when they investigate our program, if they're interested in studying abroad. Um, Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time today. It was such a pleasure, an honor, and a, a joy to get to chat with you. Oh, it was great to talk to you, Charlie. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Catherine talk as much as I enjoyed reconnecting with her. That was super fun for me. Um, I want to take a second and just do a little bit of a deeper dive um, into something we were talking about with Catherine. Um, You heard us talk about uh, Catherine brought up Olympic athletes, and I brought up my favorite sport of basketball. Um, And one of the biggest takeaways I like to grab from that, which Catherine brought up, is that idea of finding joy in your work. Um, When you watch athletes at the top of their game, like my favorite athlete, Steph Curry, um, even in the highest pressure moments, those moments where the game is on the line, potentially millions of dollars, a championship, you know, that kind of level of stress, those athletes seem to increase their level of joy and, and of play in those moments. Rather than letting the moment intimidate or overwhelm them, they find a way to joyfully rise to the level of what that moment is. Uh, And I think that's really helpful advice for auditioners or people with any kind of pressure-filled moments. Um, When I used to play high school baseball, I I was a competitive baseball player in high school, we would always express this as like, who wants the last out? Who wants the ball, right? And that idea of wanting the ball to come to you, wanting the moment, even if you are a little scared of it, right? Even if you are nervous, but wanting to step into the spotlight as an actor, as opposed to being forced to, can be a huge mindset shift for you for your auditions. What is it to choose to step into a room intentionally 
as opposed to going in because your name was called and you have to, right? They said, Charlie Murphy next. Oh my God, I got to go versus, oh my God, I get to go, right? That little bit of a difference in the way that you think about this is going to be so fun, even if you're just saying it to yourself, even if you're faking it till you make it in that way, right? What is it to joyfully express your talent, even in the face of nerves and possible mistakes, as opposed to leading with that fear of messing up? Oh, I hope I don't crack. I hope I don't forget my monologue, right? Just that little bit of negative thinking versus going, I hope that they get to see the joyful artist that I am is a huge difference for you as you walk into auditions. Um, this, of course, is much easier said than done. I don't mean you're going to all learn that and just do it tomorrow. But it's a journey that all artists have to take, right? Wanting to be in the room is table stakes. You have to want to be in the room. And that specific way that you express the joy of being in the room is going to be what makes your audition authentically you. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe button. Um, we'd also appreciate you if you were to rate and review us where you find us. We suggest five stars if you're the fair kind of Olympic judge and you think we deserve it, or five stars if you're like a Russian judge and you just want to rig it for us, we're fine with it. You can also reach out to us with questions for the pod at mailbag at mappingthecollegeaudition.com. Uh, if you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual preparation for your college audition journey, please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, don't forget to fill out your damn forms. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.